the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. Today, I have Cara Cottrell joining me. Cara is a psychologist in the Asheville area. I actually found her by somebody I graduated with, told me about her. And so I was just amazed to meet Cara. She does amazing things. She incorporates Vedic astrology into her psychology practice. And we're going to get to learn a lot about that today. So welcome. Thank you, Rose. How are you today? I am good. It's a beautiful sunny day. Um, yeah. So today, but it is sunny. Yes. (laughs) I was surprised to wake up and there's like snow on the ground and yesterday it was like 60 outside. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so we've, we've actually had a little bit of a conversation before and we talked about how we're both like passionate about incorporating, like the name of this show is the science of light and how we're passionate and incorporating like what some people might view as woo-woo, like astrology, as a tool into like getting to know ourselves or for you, I guess, getting helping your clients get to know themselves, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you would like to, can you explain a little bit about how you got it, like how you found yourself where you are. I don't know how far back or how deeply personal you're interested in going. Um, but you have a long list. I'll link your website in the show notes and people can go and see the kind of long list of stuff you've done, like, um, all your studies and degrees. And I guess you're studying to be, to get your PhD now. So the study continues. But I don't know how far back you want to go. Um, I did see in one place on your website, you've been, you said you've been kind of studying this stuff since you were about 14. Yes, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, just, so I can go way back then for sure. Yeah, um, let's hear about it. Yeah, so 14, 15, I started uh, reading tarot cards for other people. Before that, I was reading rocks. So like I would pick up a handful of rocks and throw them onto the ground and just get information. And um, yeah, so I discovered tarot from a woman at a store, at an occult bookstore that I had walked into. And um, she just recommended that I take a deck and go home and start using them. And I found I had a natural knack for them. And I understood them in ways that I couldn't quite figure out how I understood them, but I just did. Yeah. And then I discovered Carl Jung right around the same age. So was reading him in high school and really felt this deep resonation with um, what he was talking about in terms of the unconscious. And he was very much an advocate for astrology as well. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. And so he even has some family members, I believe, that practice professionally. But anyway, so I knew at a very young age that I wanted to go to school for psychology. I think I, I think I remember telling my mother at 11 and then I took it real seriously, obviously after high school and went to college for that and eventually became a licensed psychotherapist and specializing in Jungian analysis or Jungian psychology. So Jung really um, stressed working with the unconscious. So I do dream analysis. I also do some hypnotherapy. And then, of course, there's Jyotish or Vedic astrology. Mm. And to me, it fits perfect. So I studied... um, Actually, I was introduced to Vedic astrology when I was in India in 2010. But before that, I had already been studying Western astrology. Right. Since I was an adolescent. Yeah. And so once I realized that when I was studying Ayurveda in India, in India they teach you these sister sciences all at the same time. So you don't just learn yoga. You learn yoga and Ayurveda and uh, Jyotish and Vastu. So Vastu is the architectural structure of nature that we use in our dwellings. Right. Um, Kind of like feng shui. Yeah. It's like the Indian version of that. Yep. 
So that really was cool, in my opinion, that it was encouraged to be taught simultaneously and that it recognized the overlapping of all of the subjects. And they stressed that in order to really master one, you must know the others. Mm. And it's true. They're all, they're all linked. Um, so yeah, then I came back to the States after being in India and I studied at Maharishi University in Fairfield, Iowa and learned even more about Jyotish and Ayurveda, went through their certification program. And when I graduated from that program, I started studying with individual teachers. Ah. So, yeah, so some of the teachers I worked with were David Frawley, Sam Jeffy, Camilla Sutton, Penny Farrow, and several others who were really well-known internationally for Vedic astrology. And yeah. I branched off on my own. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I find that too. Like, of course, I entered yoga through like the gym, like a gym I went to when I was like 16 or something. And I I find that like, the more I kind of study and learn about yoga, I'm like, I have to learn about these other sister sciences too, like the Ayurveda and astrology or the, you know, the Jyotish, the Vedic astrology. I'm like, I can't just stay in one realm. They're like, so, um, Linked. So how does that, how does that play out in your psychology practice? I've been kind of curious, like, cause I can get lost on your website. You have so much interesting, like fantastic stuff there, but I kind of wonder from like, um, like your practice perspective, how do you, do you incorporate that in every session? Do you wait for people to like ask for it? And otherwise you just give them kind of a regular like psychology approach, you know, how do you incorporate How, what does that look like? Yeah, that's such a good question. I get that question a lot. So yeah. most people that are drawn to me come to me for two reasons. One is for psychoanalysis work, where we're, we're dropping into the unconscious and um, analyzing dreams. And or they will come to me because I do astrology. Right. And so to me, it is it, in India... Vedic astrology is considered a psychological science, but it's psycho-spiritual, you know, because they don't divide things. They don't compartmentalize things the way we do here. There's much more unifying concepts there that overlap. So uh, to me, it was a natural fit. So when when a potential client calls, or let's say it's their first session, then I will often say, hey, you know, are you interested in having me look at your natal chart and I use the sidereal system that's classical Vedic astrology and you know 99% of the time they say yes because they can see it on my website right Um, and I and I and I will do that so I will cast their chart I will have their chart open while I'm doing the I call it the couch work you're right the work is that they come in they lay on the couch you know, we're not facing each other. I'm kind of sitting behind them. And I will talk to them about their chart, about transits, about complexes and life purpose questions, health and wellness. I mean, you name it. It's all in the chart, yeah, you know. So to totally. me, it's like, getting, it's like getting two years worth of psychoanalysis or psychotherapy in a five-minute glance at their chart. Totally. Yeah. I love it for that, that it like, there's just so much you can, you know, everything's there. I love that. Um, Well, and also I find that people, I can explain some things, you know, like, like I'll say, well, you know, this probably occurred in your life and here's why from an astrological perspective. And I just see the relief that people feel. It's like this relaxing comes over their body and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, so how did that evolve? Did you start, so you said you started with tarot. Did you, um, start practicing and doing like astrology readings before you became, I guess, licensed to be, you know, because in the States we care very much about, you know, licensing and, and things. Um, so did you, which happened first for you? I was heavily into the esoteric sciences, like tarot, yeah. astrology, 
totally. ruins, you know, reading like, um, gosh, what else? Oh, Pendulum. Very uh, cool. All that kind of stuff. Very much uh, since yeah. I was a young kid. And then, it, and then it, so I had to learn. To me, it all goes together, you know, but then it, yeah. I actually went to school. And so I learned a, kind of a different approach to the mind. Totally. I agree that it all goes together. And I feel like there's this, you know, some people say it's like with astrology, at least that it's like a certain percent of study and knowing, um, kind of the planets and the, all the different aspects of it. And then another percent, you know, people have different numbers for this, uh, is almost like clairvoyance or, but I see it as like being in tune, like, and I think this is a thing that can go up or down for people. It's like not whether you have it or you don't, I don't know. At least that's what I think. Um, that, that you practice like being in tune. And so that's why I agree with you. Like, I think all those other, um, things like I've never heard of reading rocks before. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> but and, and like, 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 like there's a little thing when I was a kid, you know, I just, yeah. I just this, this spontaneous intuitive thing. Like I just picked up yeah. and threw them on the ground and all this information kind of came to me when I looked at the rocks, they seemed to form a pattern to me. Right. It was almost like a primitive, a primitive introduction maybe not consciously right to astrology because that's what happens when you when I look at a chart I'm looking at the planets are all like the rocks I used to see on the ground it's kind of funny how life that's wild well that's what I think too like I also explain to some people like my approach to astrology is that it's like you're noticing patterns and these patterns play out and cycles through the centuries and through individual people's lives it's like patterns and that's what I think you know to be an astrologer it's like you get in touch with those you know you get really in practice and in tune and in touch with those patterns and how they play out um so can you tell me about um maybe more about how you approach that in your practice I don't know maybe you could Cause I remember our first conversation we had on the phone. Um, I told you just like the tiniest little things about my chart and you were like already off and running. I don't know. I don't want to turn this too much into like a reading for me, but if it helps to have an example to explain like kind of how you do it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what, what I'll do is I like to, there, there definitely is a format to it. Okay. So yeah. When I first look at a chart, I'm looking at what the ascendant or rising is because that's going to tell me what somebody's ruling planet is. Okay, so right. I'm putting quotes around that, ruling yeah. planet. So the ruling planet is a planet that's going to have the most influence on the core of your personality. So the personality that's like below the ego conditioning, kind of like mm. your true nature. Yeah. So, uh, do you remember what your ascendant was? It's Aquarius and yeah. my moon. Oh, yeah, so we're, we're both Aquarius. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I right. find myself so, drawn to other Aquarians. I, yeah, it just course, happens you know. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of a rare bunch, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Noticed that. Not a lot of Aquarians out there. Anyway, yeah. um, so uh, as, a, as an Aquarian, as an uh, ascendant Aquarian, so let me explain that. So your ascendant is the constellation of stars that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time that you were born. And the rishis, or the sages, tell us that the soul passes through the eastern portal, much like the sun, okay? And it, mm. to get into, to take, its, to take its form in the physical. And right. so as it's passing through that constellation, it's like that constellation gives itself to you. So it becomes a, a, a big part of the core of your identity, of your personality. Again, underneath what the ego conditioning is. So you can look right. at the sun kind of like the ego structure that forms over time from living in the world. You know, right. it's sort of like what you choose to do in the world. It's very action oriented. It's usually what people see and describe the most in you. So your ruling planet being Saturn is going to say a lot about you. Saturn, we can look at Saturn or any of the planets like an archetype. So Carl Jung, right. the great yes. psychiatrist, focused a lot on archetypes. Archetypes are kind of these universal themes that we find in all of humanity, regardless of gender, race, sexual orientation, 
it doesn't matter. They are, they are core characteristics that run across all of humanity. Mm-hmm. So Saturn is considered the like the disciplined taskmaster. He's all about structure and form, and he is considered to be our karmic leveler. So mm-hmm. what that kind of means is Saturn tells us that. Um, is sort of responsible for making sure that our karmic dues are paid. Feared a lot by people unnecessarily. You know, we all have right. Saturn. We all have our things we have to work through. But that would tell a lot about your nature. More serious-minded, you know, a little eccentric, can be rebellious, um, tends to sort of be into things that are alternative in nature or, you know, definitely not mainstream. So that would be an example of what I would be telling someone about themselves. And then we would talk about your sun sign and then we would get into your moon sign. Yeah. And then I would, and then I would kind of put it all together and talk about all of the other planets. Do you find that people are, cause I've found this sometimes, like I've only thus far practiced astrology readings, like on my friends. So they're people I already know. Right. But, um, some of them, they like myself too. And and like you kind of mentioned, we've entered astrology first through like the Western astrology, which focuses a lot on sun signs. And so for me, for example, my sun sign is Aquarius. And then, so I do my sidereal, you know, chart and find out that so is my moon sign and my rising under Vedic astrology. So it wasn't like a huge leap for me. And some of my, like the people I've, like in my limited experience, I've found that some people are like a little bit put off by that. If say they've always identified as like, you know, a Capricorn and now I'm telling them they're an Aquarius or a uh, Sagittarius, you know, do you find that people are often like, is that a hard jump for people or? Yeah. Yes, it's usually, I mean, it's usually a hard job, especially if it's a sign they've really been attached to, like, like if they thought they were a Leo. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm not a Leo? You know, so, but maybe, maybe I should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, please. Listeners understand, like, why does that happen? Um, Yeah. So the sidereal system is a much more literal zodiac. So for example, you know, um, we could say, if we looked at a telescope, we look through a telescope at Saturn right now. It, I like last year, a lot of the um, Western astrologers were talking about how Saturn was in Capricorn or the year before, right? So it's like when with as a sidereal astrologer, I would say, well, let's look at the telescope and see. Well, actually, Saturn was, you know, not in Capricorn. It was in Sagittarius, like closer to that. Right. So we're we are we are using a more literal zodiac system that if you look through a telescope, it's more real time. Whereas the tropical system is, I would say, a projected zodiac. So it's oh. it's a, it's yeah, it's almost a almost a full sign, you know, um, yeah. difference. And so that's because in Vedic astrology we consider the precession of the equinox and so that right. is a whole subject yeah that people can google mm. it's way too complicated yeah. to get into here but but suffice it to say that in India using an astrologer is as necessary and common as people using a dentist here right so they want the birth time down to the second in India and they're going to use a zodiac system that's much more literal, and I would right. even go as far as to say, perhaps even more accurate. Dare I yeah. say that? Because any good astrologer can read either one. Truthfully, right? I agree. Okay. Yeah, and but, I've seen Western astrologers do it beautifully, and I'm yes. like, wow, that's really accurate. But it's in, you know, it's interesting to me. I'm like, they still come up with something accurate, but I'm like, on a zodiac system that's not actually. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, so, I mean, really, when I've looked at, I've read charts from both sides, and there's, you're basically saying the same thing, but just slightly different. So, the only thing I would say is the sun sign probably makes the biggest difference. Um, That's really about it. But, yeah, so we want to be, because in India, in Vedic astrology, I do a lot of predictions. 
a lot. Mm. So people call me for when should I get the, the right wedding date? When should I buy a house? Is this deal going to go through? Um, you know, I hear, I, you can, if you can think of the question, I've heard it. And so I have to be accurate. So I have right. to use a Zodiac system that, in my opinion, I can read it well, I understand it, and I can be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, like, reached that point in my studies yet. I'm, like, so... I don't know. I've been studying it for a while, but I'm like, I don't feel comfortable making predictions yet. So I think that's like fascinatingly interesting. Like yeah, you have to take a how lot people of different can. Things. Yeah. There's so yeah. many things to take it. You don't just look at the chart. You're looking yeah. at Mahadasha transits, Mahurtha, the Navamsha. You're looking at all these, probably six or seven different things to come up right. with accurate predictions. Yeah. Yeah. You will though over time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'll get there. Um, so maybe what's your, what's your favorite thing to like use or look at? Well, um, I specialize in sex therapy as Mm. a therapist. So I really like looking at the components of the chart that help me understand what the potential sexual issues that maybe come up for someone. And it's amazing what you can see in the chart that gives information about that. It gives information just about anything. Right. But I do tend to specialize in in those kinds of issues. Um, And so I like looking at that. Um, I also like doing compatibility between people, like looking at how people are compatible or not compatible. That's really fun because it brings in alchemy, which I... That's another thing that I dabble in is alchemy. So that's something that is fun to see how bringing two people together creates a third, right? The third being the relationship. And um, being able to work with couples and kind of letting them know like, hey, this is going to be something you need to watch out for. These are your weaknesses. These are your strengths. Yeah. I actually was just listening to a thing the other day. I guess that's a uh, Jungian concept, right? The third, um, that the relationship is like a third entity. I just actually yesterday heard, I was listening to another podcast that brought that up. So um, can you explain a little bit more about what that means from like the Jungian standpoint? Sure, sure. I like to use the example of a cocktail. So you have two separate people, right? And... One is orange juice and one is cranberry juice, okay? And they're each, they're each their own separate individual entity. When you mix them together, now you have orange juice mixed with cranberry juice. So it forms something different, right? right. It forms a third substance. Well, now if we add in a splash of lime juice and some ice cubes and some seltzer water, those are the different planets. Now we're throwing all these different planets into the same glass and we're creating this new alchemical, you know, we would call it a cocktail. Right. That each thing stands on its own, but when you mix them together, it makes something completely different. That's what Ah. happens with couples. When we we enter Ah. into another person's karma, we bring our own alchemical mixture into into the, the vessel of the relationship. So then I guess it's like the way I'm thinking, because I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. I just learned about it like yesterday, which is interesting, little synchronicity. I'm into it that I just heard about this yesterday and, and that you brought it up. Um, so, but then, so like with a relationship, for example, it's like you still exist outside of the relationship as yourself, right? Or are you now this like, person in relationship when you go about your outside you know like when you mix the orange juice and cranberry juice together now they're a separate like a mixture in like science we could call it that like when there's a chemical reaction that happens um it takes another chemical reaction to like undo that yeah so do you see what i drew so so this is Ah. person a person b you bring them together and this becomes the third 
So it's like a Venn diagram. You still have, or like you have your jugs of juice and you pour a little bit into the glass together, but you still have the rest of the jugs of juice. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they can stand on their own, right? Juice, yeah. cranberry, and orange juice—they're both juice, right? Yeah. But they're different. They're different. Yeah. So we're both people, but we're different. Right. So when you put those two people together, it it, it does the relationship becomes its own kind of um, creation. And so when I do couples counseling, I talk a lot about that. Like, how are you taking care of this third thing ah. that you created together? Yeah. And that often kind of that that's a, a metaphor that tends to kind of blow people's minds. Like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And it's like, well, I haven't I haven't really been taking care of it at all. You know, it's like, have you been feeding it? You know, have you been nurturing it? Right. Are you even aware of it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, it blows my mind. I just heard of it yesterday, and I'm like still trying to wrap my head around it too because I'm like. I don't know. I guess I've always thought about it. Like with my partner, for example, I think about like myself in relation to him. And like, so his love language, if you want to get into that is acts of service. So I'm thinking of, I guess, serving him, like doing things to serve him, but that serves the relationship because then he feels loved. So I've never, um, thought of it that way of like, I don't know, I guess maybe I have. You know, some people are like, you treat it like it's your house plant or something and you have to fertilize it and water it and then the house plant will grow. But I've always even, I guess, just thought of it conceptualized as like you're nurturing your partner, right? And your partner nurtures you back, but without that third uh, kind of element of the relationship itself. Um, yeah, and when you look at it in terms of astrology and alchemy, the third makes even more sense, right? Because mm. I overlay two charts. So yeah. your chart, your partner's chart, I overlay them, and now we have a third chart. Oh. You see? Yeah, totally. Yes, so now that so I'm reading from that third chart, it's like, okay, here's what happens when you mix these two people together. Right. Here's what you better be aware of, right? Here, here's where your moons are placed from each other, which is so important because that determines whether or not, you know, somebody's attuned to the other person. They kind of right. get each other. It's, it's that way when you can, like, look across the room and you know what the other person's thinking. Totally. That's good yeah. moon placement. So could you give a few examples? I'm not sure, actually, yet, because this podcast is so new, I'm not sure how where the listeners will be at with their knowledge of astrology, but like, even just for my purposes, like what are some good, like where should the moons? is it a house thing, a conjunct thing? Um, it's really just how far away are their moons from each other? So when I put the two charts together, I'm looking to see, I know your listeners probably don't even know what a chart looks like. So that could be a little, some of them might. Maybe who some knows? of them do, but some of yeah. who, 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 yeah, some of them who wouldn't know, this could be a little confusing, but I guess if you right. can look at it like a map or a blueprint, yeah. right, you put those two together, I want to look and see where the moons fall in that overlay. So, like, for example, if, if two moons are sharing the same, the same house, or this, you know, this, the same sign or the same house, for example, right, that, that's a lot of you really are in tune with that person. But if ah. the moons are really far away from each other, you, you kind of, it's like two ships that just kind of keep missing each other. They just keep right. passing by. You can't really, you don't understand the person very well. There's a level of frustration that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Are and there any other you, planets you look at? Yeah, yeah. Of course you want to, look, I look at all of them. Right. Because we, we want to see, you know, where one person's Saturn falls in the other person. So think of mm-hmm. it like, um, like let's say I had Saturn in the third, um, like in the sign of, let's say, let's say I had in Gemini. So mm-hmm. I would be looking to see where that sign fell, where Saturn would fall in the other person's sign in Gemini. And that would be, so I would bring an element of Saturn into that person's life in that area of life. Uh, so Saturn can be Saturn can be kind of um, rigid, serious. Um, is said to be kind of an oppressor, 
that's it. I mean, to me, I, I don't like to use that word, but that's oftentimes yeah. what Saturn is considered, you know, kind of oppressive. I like stability. I like the thinking stability of it that way. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, it really I don't know. It depends yeah. on the quality of it. Right. So there are yeah. a lot of factors that determine the disposition of the planet. So you'll hear people say, oh, do you have a good or a bad Saturn? Yeah. It's just, it yeah. really just matter. It really just depends on the quality of it in the chart, how it's in the chart. Right. How it is in relation to everything else, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I guess that means to kind of circle back to um, like a more practical standpoint, because um, I could talk about the planets and all these things all day. Um but I want to kind of get into a little bit of, so you run your own practice, right? Yeah. Like it's just you, you're not part of like a larger outfit, um, which is super cool. Um, so I'm like going through a yoga therapy training right now, which is making, I'm like, maybe one day I'll get a degree so I can build insurance in that way. Um, but so right now, I guess if you, you can bill because you use astrology in your like psychotherapy practice, that means you can basically like build insurance for astrology, right? Like, well, that's, that's a little complicated. I mean, I can explain it in a way. So, so for example, if somebody just called me to want to get just an astrology reading, I could not build their insurance. Okay. Because insurance um, I'm contracted with insurance companies to provide the services that they will pay for so they'll pay for things like cognitive behavioral therapy active listening psychodynamic emdr so Mm. as long as the person is coming to me as a therapy client uh then we can bill insurance as long as i'm doing therapy with them so the astrology really just but but people do hire me just for astrological readings and that's all private pay okay yeah, yeah, a large part of my practice is, is, is tarot readings and astrology readings. And then, of course, I have my psychoanalytic practice, which is billable for insurance. That's so cool. I'm, like, just always fascinated in that because I'm, like, you know, there's a million different avenues that we can kind of approach. I'm always kind of looking at the difference in the way we approach things in the United States, especially in the West and Western society versus how they approach things in, say, India, which is where we get this stuff from like you know you were saying like they use astrologers um like they would use a dentist and I don't know what that means for like their systems of paying I don't I don't have any idea if you know how their healthcare system I don't have any idea what their healthcare system looks like and how that works but I do know that they like um in India they have a more like emphasis on this you know spiritual practice as part of everyday life, they don't compartmentalize it the way we do in the United States. So I'm always fascinated to look at like the different avenues, um, of how we approach these things here. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I can say something about that from my experiences. Go for it. Yeah. There. Yeah. So that was one of the things I fell in love with about India because it resonated more with the way I perceived the world and and myself in it so when I went to India I noticed I thought geez you know the the spiritual lives in everyday life there you know Mm -hmm. like the the concept that Jung talked about in terms of synchronicity like that's kind of a a funky thing here in the west right but Mm -hmm. in India it's like no absolutely I mean synchronicity is existing all the time like everything has meaning everything has purpose Um, they live a lot closer to nature right and they understand uh, like one of my teachers was like if you really want to understand the sign of cancer go sit on the rocks and watch the crabs and their behavior and you'll understand you'll understand the depth of nature of the cancerian individual totally things like that and um you know just i noticed even things like their connection to spirit was so much Mm -hmm more they were so open about it so it, I, I never felt like I was 
a woo-woo person there. In fact, everything right. I was part of there, it was just like, oh my gosh, finally, I felt like yeah. I had sort of found my place in the world, you know? Totally. Yeah. I, uh, that's another thing, like you bring up, watch the crabs and see how they um, act to understand cancer. That's the thing that I'm like kind of learning and enjoying about astrology that it's like, it's a lot of symbols. It's almost like symbols and kind of mythology. That's like the way, at least what I'm learning is the way to understand it more in in depth is to understand all the symbols that say go with a sign or a planet. I guess with planet, it's not so much because the sign is like Capricorn is like the Ram, right? Um, or I could be wrong about that. The goat, the goat. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. So I just think like, that's how I'm starting to approach it is like the symbols. And it's funny you brought up the archetypes too, because I have an archetypes Oracle deck that's like, um, it's got so many cards in it. I don't even know how many, like a lot of cards. Um, and it's like all the different archetypes. And that's what I love that too, that as an approach to helping myself and then eventually other people, understand ourselves better just based on these symbols that we all can like kind of relate to you know yes and they all overlap I mean as a Jungian I studied a lot of mythology right and right and then it was a natural fit because in mythology they talk a lot about astrology and the cosmos you know and Mm. so again once again we've got all these this overlapping and it makes perfect sense and I like to help people understand themselves in terms of archetypal patterns and how those archetypes play a role in their life. Right. Yeah. It's fantastically interesting. Um, so then another question I have, like from kind of an entrepreneurship standpoint, this is like, I totally ask these questions for my own selfish purposes, but um, because I think it'll help other people. Uh, so you've built this practice and you have, um, like all these different things you offer and it's your own self practice. So I guess that's like, I don't have that much experience with how like a psychotherapy practice is run, but what is your team like? Like, I remember we discussed, uh, something you were talking about launching. I don't actually know if you've launched it yet, so I don't want to say it if it's not out there and I shouldn't, uh, oh, yeah. put it out no, there yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. but like so and and you have like marketing people so how what is that like from a totally like practical standpoint um oh yeah that's another really good question um yeah so i am launching an a vedic astrology online school and it's supposed to launch next week i've been watching the astrology watching the astrology before i launched totally so yeah i chose my date and everything and so i have somebody that um i work with several people so i work with a company that handles my website I work with somebody who, who does all of the marketing um, also works on my website and then I worked with somebody to help me design the school so that basically it's itself you know you, it's an online school so you go through modules mm-hmm. you start with the beginning level and you watch the videos and you take a quiz then you can advance to intermediate then you can go to advanced and then when you're done mm. with the advanced you can choose to have one-to-one tutoring with me uh-huh. um, and then I have a I set up a Facebook group page for graduates to be able to join just to talk amongst themselves and share ideas and get to know each other very cool so that's I feel like I feel like that's already on your website I don't she, know she might have she might have already put it on there so oh, we're, okay we're just, yeah so we're literally we're in the process of putting all of the pieces together and then we're going to actually launch the school. So it's, it's teachable. Yeah. Yeah. I do have some classes that are on there, but this is totally different. This is an actual, like a learning platform um, that you can do at your own pace. Yeah. Cause I, so I've seen that the beginner intermediate and then advanced. And, um, that's where I actually, I clicked on the video there and where I saw that you said, You've been studying this since you're 14. That's where I found that. Um, uh, so, but that's super cool. That's like, how long did it take you to build that? A long time, I bet. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's probably been 
I think it's taken me over a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. And partly because it's just the technology and having mm. to record things. And then I would think of something and I'd go, oh, I have to tell them that. And then I would go back yeah. and erase it and re-record it. And finally, at some yeah. point, I'm like, I just have to let it go. <laughs> Totally. Well, that's kind of been, I mean, this, this podcast is like a lot smaller than that, like, you know, in terms of work, but I've been kind of doing like, I did my own website. Um, I've been trying to do all the social media marketing myself, you know, so I've been kind of trying to push through all that by myself, which is, it makes it super hard. So I feel, I actually haven't done like a big launch yet with all the the marketing and stuff of this podcast, but there are people that listen to it already just from word of mouth, which is kind of how I operate anyway in my life, um, you know? Well, thing, yeah. I mean, which is great. I do too. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't actually market my practice really. Right. Um, but in the beginning I did, you know, you should be doing like workshops and free talks right. and like your podcast. And, but one totally. thing that really helps is to have subscribers so when I say that we're going to officially launch, um, I, I had I had actually created a beta team. So I had a beta ah. team of longtime followers who offered to be my practice students for the school. And totally. so they all are subscribers to my newsletter, and then they get a big discount on the courses because they were they worked for free basically for me to help work out the bugs and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But then I have. So I have this this newsletter subscriber list. And so that really helps to stay in contact with ah, people. So we're going to be launching yeah. a special newsletter for the subscribers to get a, an early discount if they're like one of the first, I forget how many, you know, people to sign up for the class. They'll get a, a substantial discount on the course. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I did something like I'm in a course right now, actually, with a teacher. I don't think it's like the beta version, but it's like if I was one of the first to join, so I got like a discount for it, but it's like, you know, it's like the first go around of it. Yeah. But I just love looking at, I think because maybe this is because I live in the Asheville area and I feel like everybody that lives here, like is a yoga teacher. (laughs) So like I live in a realm where it feels like the market's very saturated. Um, so I'm always trying to think about like, um, like from a business standpoint, you know, we're into all this, um, you know, more esoteric wellness concepts. But then I'm like, you know, we have to, we have to exist in the Western society that we exist in under capitalism. And so I have to learn, I'm always trying to learn and share with others like entrepreneurship kind of techniques. And so I think that's, you know, yeah, a lot of it is having a brand, you know, so people can just find you. Right. Yeah. And, And things like Instagram, Facebook are great great yeah. ways to totally mm-hmm. I don't know if you think of yourself as an entrepreneur but I oh, think yeah. of you that way yeah <laughs> like, oh, definitely I mean everything yeah. I've created I've created on my own it's like I've been a yeah. solo solo oh. practitioner um it's it's just it's it's in my chart too you know just to kind of have Ooh. to really fight for my own and create my own and stand up for my own yeah. and what I believe in and all that kind of stuff and kind of go against the grain and do you mind sharing how that shows up in your chart I know some people are like they don't want to share their chart in a public forum but I'm like I'll share everything I'm an open book so if you don't want to share it oh, it's okay but yeah well a lot of it has to do with um so I'm an Aquarius ascendant yeah and that right there but I have the north node the north node there as well so it's really Ah. about bringing a lot of that oh yeah a lot of that out into the open and sharing it with people and sort of I've always been that one I was that kid you know that was working with crystals when I was a little kid you know just I I was that 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 different one that nobody else was doing the stuff that I was doing and it still continues to be that way and I've just learned to embrace it well, they often say, people often say about Aquarius that we're like the forward thinkers. We're like the ones that are thinking of things that in a way that other people haven't yet. And it can be viewed as eccentric until like kind of everybody else catches on, you know? And then, yeah. and then we're sick of it. We're on to the next thing. So we're always <laughs> yeah. about 20 years ahead. <laughs> you were, yeah. Totally, when it becomes because mainstream, now, we're, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's into the crystals and stuff, you know. 
or right. at least especially yeah. in Asheville, I like, you know, we're a hub for that. So I always speak from like, I'm like, I live in Asheville and this, I, I realize cause I sometimes go visit my family that lives in like Podunk, North Carolina, where I grew up. And I'm like, it's not, we're in a bubble here, you know? We are. Um, I will say, I, I think, I feel like I, I need to say this since we're talking about all this other stuff. One thing I will notice is, so there's this phenomena in Jungian psychology about, and it's in astrology too, about compensatory or compensation, okay? So if somebody comes in and you're, let's say they're a Pisces with the North Node in Pisces, okay? Mm-hmm then we may have to help that person be a little more grounded. Like they might be a little too, um, too everything is meant to be that way. Right. Kind of mentality. Yeah. Because remember, we, we all have all the planets, right? So we, so we need, we need the intellect. We need logic, right? There's a place for the intuitive right. and there's a place for the logic. So I do find that sometimes I have to help people um, learn how to use logic at times to help themselves. Mm. And, it's, and it's the other way around. Let's say somebody comes in that says, oh, I never dream. You know, I don't even, I don't believe in tarot. I don't believe in anything. Yeah. I will often help that person to start that journey. So I play mm. both sides of the fence. You see what I'm saying? Totally. Depends what the person needs. Well, it's kind of like in Ayurveda, it's like cultivate the opposite. The That's right. Yeah, the Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And the just the balance, like it's the middle path. You cultivate the opposite. Yeah. I like so just the episode before this one, like when this episode airs, just the the very one before was I interviewed my brother and he's like he's like that. He's an engineer. He's very analytical and stuff but I pointed out some of the things to him in the episode like you know you do kind of live in alignment with these Ayurvedic principles you just don't even know it as that but you do like because he he does this thing called bulking season and shreddy spaghetti so he in the winter time he gets a little bit more um kophic if you will kophic and in the summer you know he really leans into the pitta but he doesn't understand it that way but that's totally what he's doing, you know? Yeah, so it's, like, like it's about balance. It's, it's definitely yeah. about helping people to be more balanced. And our dreams will do that, too. Like, if we're not, yeah. if we're not, um, like, let's say we're angry about something, but we really repressed it. Like, we're not looking at it. We're just kind of glossing over it. Oftentimes, we'll have a dream that where there's explosive anger. And it's because, the you know, our, our psyche, our bodies, our minds are really trying to restore balance. And so we're very, you know, we're very much like nature. Sometimes we're, sometimes it's really super cold, right? And then other times it's really super hot. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. in the end, we're trying to achieve homeostasis. We're trying to, to sort of keep that tension of the opposites in a way that is maintaining balance as best as we can, yet we understand we go out of balance too. Right. totally well for me it's like a constant course correct you know because everything's always changing like the seasons so it's like I have to do one thing in one season and then I get kind of in a rhythm with that and then the season changes and I have to find a new you know at least for me that's like how I'm it's a constant constant practice um do you have so I know we're coming up on kind of our hour mark um, but do you have a few minutes to talk a little bit about the dream, like dive a little bit more into the dream stuff you do? So I'm fascinated with dreams. I have like this stuff going on in my 12th house, which, you know, so I'm like, dreams dreams, yeah. yeah, they fascinate <laughs> me too. So I'm like, yeah, I know if you have a few minutes, you know, yeah. we are, we are being, you know, there's going to be seven planets in, in our 12th house pretty soon. Yeah. So it's like so even woo, more so right now. Yeah. 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 So uh, well, we all have a twelfth house, right? Every single yeah. one of us has a twelfth house, so we all have the potential to dream. But right. those of us that have planets there or have mm-hmm. planets transiting there um, or aspecting, we we might tend to be more in tune with our dreams than other people. Right. Um, but I look at dreams. 
So they're not just one thing. I think they're multiple things. And I don't even really know mm-hmm. for sure. This is just based on my own experience and working yeah. with people. Um, but, but I do help them connect with dreams because dreams are going to show us what's really going on. So we all have an ego. We all love to have our best face, right? We always love to show everybody our best face. Um, I give an example of of somebody who came to see me many, many years ago. This was in a different state. And the quietest, sweetest little person, you know, just for for an astrology reading. And I said, gosh, I'm like, you know, what, what do you come here for? Oh, I'm just so happy and... I don't really have anything going on. And I said, well, did you happen to have any dreams at all that you want to bring in to the reading or that you want to share with me? Mm. Well, I keep having this dream that I want to, that I want to kill my neighbor, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah. and I just don't know why, because I love my neighbor. Well, well then after, after a while, we start to recognize that the neighbor actually, they've had some issues and the neighbor reminds her of somebody from her childhood. So all this stuff came out of, talking about yeah. that dream and I had to help her to be okay with anger and mm. to learn how to express her anger constructively and learn how to work with conflict as a friend you know and learn how totally. to see the anger as a sign that she has a long-standing unmet need right and so that one you know the one the one little thing she said about the dream just opened up all of this awareness about herself and she had this tremendous release in the work that we did yeah wow so that's an example of what dreams can dreams are going to show us things like gender identity stuff Mm. repressed things old trauma dreams can sometimes i think even show us traumas from our ancestors or if you believe in past lives past lives Mm. so it's almost like the dream doesn't seem to have a definite um time and space element like it's just sort of beyond all of that and so I I work primarily with dreams when somebody comes to see me for psychoanalysis about 80% of what we're doing is we're looking at dreams do you find that they have like are the, is there a system? I've always wanted, I've always been fascinated with like dreams myself too. And so like, is there a system like the symbols, um, kind of like we were talking about archetypes or they're like, cause I've looked up before, like if I have a dream about a snake and I look up like all the different things that a snake can mean to try and help myself understand why I might be having that dream. Just like as an example, is that kind of the approach? Like in the symbols that come up as like archetypes, or is there a system per se, more like astrology? Like their astrology has a system, like this symbol means this, you know, how, how yeah. does that work? Well, uh, really good question. So yeah. with, with, um, here's how I do it. I feel that the association, the meaning that the client attaches to the symbol is the most important so let me give you an example because we have to take into consideration culture right uh environment belief systems so somebody may may have a dream about a red ball Mm -hmm. okay well i have to i'm going to ask that client well what's your association with red ball and i'll do like free association so i'll say red ball and they just start rattling off all this information well, that person may have a totally different association to a red ball than uh-huh. somebody else. Somebody else might say, oh, I remember the red ball that my dad got me that for my fifth birthday. Somebody else may say, I remember when my dog got hit by a car because my red ball went into the street. Yeah. You see right. how different that is? So that's yeah. the first thing I do. And then for archetypal things, we will go to, I have some books, you know, that are specific to Jungian psychology on what the mm. meaning of archetypes are. So kind of like astrology, you know, Saturn yeah. means this, Mars means that. Um, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, like I, like you were saying with the symbols, you know, I bring up a snake. That's just the first example. I haven't had a dream about a snake in a while, but I know it's one thing I've found myself looking up before. What does a snake mean? But to me, it's like some people are afraid of snakes, but I love snakes. Like we used to have pet snakes growing up. 
And it reminds, I think of Kundalini is like the first thing I think of with a snake, but to some people it might be, might be some negative connotations with a snake. I don't know. But, oh, yeah. um, yeah, you really, I really like to, to get to know the individual first when we start talking wow. about symbols. I'm yeah. very patient with that process. Um, Super before cool. I, I don't like to jump in and say, oh, this is exactly what it means. I'm always going to defer to the client first. Yeah. So basically you just have like a lot of tools and that's kind of the idea. Like, yeah, yeah. So many tools. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's super cool. Um, so you said at the beginning, you said you had some books. Can we talk about those for a few minutes? Like last thing, the books you were thinking of recommending. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of books that I, that I recommend. Um, one is called the light on life by heart to foe. I think that's a good one. Yep. Uh, the other one is Planets in the Signs and Houses, and that's by Bethan Bahari. So that's first name B-E-P-I-N, last name B-E-H-A-R-I. And there's a handbook one and two. Those are really handy to have. Oh, and cool. then, you know, besides books, I mean, there's so many good podcasts out there that are specific yeah. to Vedic astrology. There's mm-hmm. there's a podcast called This Jungian Life, which is great Ooh. for more about Jung. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, anything that you can find on YouTube and learn as much as you can. But But I will say this, when it comes down to wanting to really get good at it I think everybody needs a teacher like you need a teacher right. to be able to kind of mentor you to practice yeah with, practice on your friends things like that first totally that's where I was kind of realizing I was a few months ago I was like I've been listening to several podcasts I've been watching the YouTube videos I've been just consuming all this content I could find you know at a rapid rate and I'm still doing that but now I have a teacher that I can bounce questions off of and, you know, a mentor. That's actually what, yes. the, so good. what we call it's like it, learning, it mentorship. You know, I play yeah. instruments, you know, and so it's like I could sit there and watch all kinds of videos right, right. on playing guitar. But I'm not going to yeah. really get good unless I pick up the guitar and start playing. And, you know, we want to we wanna use our mistakes as... Mm. Um, we want to we want to be able to like learn from our mistakes. We want to be able totally. to recover from them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that because that's actually so. It's a full moon today. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know that. Um, <laughs> but so for people listening, I, I think I'm going to publish this tomorrow. But for people listening, we're um, recording on the day of a full moon, and that's been to get personal for a minute. The full moon's typically like associated with releasing, right? in the most general sense, um, like the peak energy. And now we have the only direction to go is descending energy. And that's been my kind of personal work is like releasing the kind of negative beliefs that are holding me back. Like with with astrology, especially it's like you learn, you learn from doing like the same analogy you brought up with the instrument. It's like, you got to get out there and get messy and just try it and keep on trying. Yeah. That's just a try nice it. Full moon. I mean, you, yeah. And if yeah. we make mistakes, you know, I mean, one of my teachers even said to me, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes because as a teacher, I need to see your mistakes because then I know where right. your weak points are. You can't improve. You cannot improve yeah. unless you know what your mistakes are. Totally. So Aquarians have a lot of karma around that. You know, we, mm. we have a, that's a lot of what we're supposed to be learning to do while also not getting too down on ourselves. You know, so, interesting. Yeah, um, totally. We, we could talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today yeah. and sharing your wisdom you with me. the world. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. And I, I'm, I'm super excited and I hope that your listeners really um, can get something out of what you're doing. I think what you're, what you're doing for everybody is really amazing and so needed. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Well, I'm glad our paths have crossed, and I'm sure we will talk more in the future. Namaste. Yeah, namaste. I appreciate you. And that concludes our interview today. Thanks for joining us. I will, of course, link everything 
that we talked about, how to find Kara, how to find me. It'll all be linked in the show notes, or you can find it on my website, yogiscopes.com, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S on Instagram or my website. Thanks for joining me. Remember to always stay in the light.